Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Today, we're going to talk about simple families. We're going to talk about minimalist parenting. We'll talk about traveling with a family, and we're going to answer all of your questions. (laughs) I don't have any kids. I love talking about kids. It's so easy to give advice. Ryan is actually (laughs) a really good parent. Uh, We're going to answer all of your questions today with our our guest. Today, Barahona is here from simplefamilies.com. She also has a great podcast called the Simple Families Podcast. Thanks for being here today. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Great to be here. So the the format of this is we uh, we dive right into these questions. Our first question today is from Brad in Sydney, Australia. We have two small kids and my wife loves buying them things like toys, craft stuff, outdoor gear, you name it. I mean, I love it too because I see the kids happy and they learn new stuff because they're playing with different toys and, and so on. And our house is not a pigsty by any stretch. But how do I help her see that it's clogging the house, taking space, and that they end up only playing with 10% of the toys after a while anyway? So what are you thinking, Danae? How, how, how do I force my wife to stop buying <laughs> toys for all these kids? Well, I know, I don't know about you all, but I know that my husband listens to better, better to other people than he does to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that finding an outside resource can be really helpful. I know that when I started diving into minimalism, my husband was a little bit hesitant. And he watched the documentary, and I feel like that got him on board hearing it from someone else. Um, But also understanding that when you as an individual are moving in a slightly different direction from your spouse, in some ways it kind of violates this group identity that you have formed. Hmm. If you have changed your mindset, right? If you both have been operating under this idea that you are buying in similar ways and you're functioning in similar ways, as soon as one person steps back and says, wow, wait a minute, should we do things differently? Sometimes that can be, that can come across as a rejection Mm -hmm. of the other person Mm -hmm. and of this identity that you have created together as a couple. So I think that it's, it's normal for her to be a little resistant or for her to not quite understand the direction that you're moving in because it is different maybe than what, where you've been in the past or what you've, what you've done as a couple in the past. So I think that giving her time to come around to it, giving her other resources to introduce her to these ideas can be really helpful. Um, When it comes to toys, one of the things that I like to share with families is this idea of front-loading versus back-loading toys. And we all have a tendency to want to see a lot of joy when kids open up toys, right? Like there's that Christmas morning, wanting them to tear tear into it and light up. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is something as gift givers that we thrive on. We want to see that, right? We, We are just as excited about giving the gift as they are about opening the gift. And when that is our focus, seeing that those those moments, those fleeting moments of joy in the beginning, that's that's front loading the joy, right? Mm-hmm. So there's toys such as a lot of the plastic light up battery operated toys that will 
make our kids really happy and excited, you know, the toys that they see in the commercials, those are the toys that are going to get them the most excited because they've seen the advertisements, they've seen the YouTube videos of other Mm. kids playing with them. But the reality is those are often the toys that are going to get set aside after Mm. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and they never get touched again. So when we can backload the toys, which is when we're buying toys that are going to last for years, toys that are of good quality, toys that are open-ended that can be used in multiple ways by kids of different ages, that joy on their face when they get like this amazing high quality set of wooden blocks, it's not going to be there right in the beginning when you're giving them that gift. But the gift comes out over time, right? Mm. The value shows itself over periods of weeks and months and years. So I think when we can think about it like that, when we're thinking about we are giving our children joy to last a lifetime rather than just a few minutes, it can be uh, sort of a mindset shift, a new way of looking at it. Yeah, and I think we want to be careful. The The point isn't like perpetual, constant, manic excitement. Although we like that in the moment when they're opening those presents on Christmas morning, you're like, you're so excited for them. It's excitement by proxy. But I, I can just say yesterday, as a matter of fact, Ella, she she was very loud and, and rambunctious and and at some point you're like okay this this is going to turn into a crash we all we all <laughs> realize like this is not going to end up well when she is you know, manic for hours on end because she gets really tired and and i noticed that with with the objects that she brings into her life there's nothing wrong with owning things and i think we have to understand that we don't want to necessarily just impose our own beliefs on on a kid because of course i'm not going to find value in the light up toy or any toy really but i also realize that they might find or she might find value in it so you talked about with uh with brad you talked about two things that really stand out here one is hey it might take some time you know brad i don't know how old you are but let's say you're 30 years old maybe it took you 30 years to figure out this thing (laughs) called minimalism right and then all of a sudden we want our significant other to figure it out within 30 minutes and that doesn't work very well it's it's you can't drag someone over the finish line because they're just going to be kicking and screaming the whole time that's not success that's not winning And, and the other thing that you you talked about with uh with respect to the kids was oh crap i lost my train of thought (laughs) that's all right man (laughs) damn i I really do love the idea you're talking about how when one partner starts to to go a different direction it's almost like you have to respect that discomfort that the other partner is feeling and not like you said josh you can't drag someone you can't force someone to see the benefits of minimalism all you can do is ask for support and you know the best way to to get support is to give support so brad if you are supporting your wife in 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 many ways just ask her for a little bit of support here and there and and don't put too much pressure on her but i I think that's a that's a beautiful point about having to honor that discomfort that's going to come up when Mm -hmm. when you start heading a different direction that that was actually my, my second point was about it might even feel like they're growing apart in the moment, right? Because what you're saying is it almost feels like a, an attack on this mm-hmm. lifestyle you've built together. You mm-hmm. you had some similar beliefs for a long period of time, but now you've received some new information. And maybe that new information is like, wow, all the things I thought were going to make me happy aren't actually making me happy. All the things I thought were going to bring great joy to my family and to my kids and to my life aren't bringing that same joy or maybe even the things that we once got joy from are no longer bringing us joy the beliefs that i had are no longer my beliefs anymore but your partner might still have those beliefs right absolutely yeah and actually in my own partnership this makes me think of this year for 2019 i gave up alcohol 
And for years, my husband and I have been, been together for more than 15 years. And that's kind of what we did together, right? We went to college together. Mm-hmm. We drank at bars. Then we got older and we drank bottles of wine at home. And it became part of what we did, a part of how we spent our time together. Mm-hmm. And so this year, I'm four months in now, I'm not drinking and he's still drinking. And I think that that has really caused us to look at how are we going to spend our time together? How are we going to find a new normal? And what does that look like? And one thing is for sure that I don't want him to think that I'm viewing him as bad or I'm rejecting him for continuing to make the choices that I'm no longer making. So it's finding this partnership on slightly different paths, which I think is very possible, but it's it takes some time to work it out and figure out what it's going to look like. Yeah, you want to like withhold as much judgment as yes. possible. Like you mm-hmm. don't want your husband to feel like, well, I don't drink. That means you shouldn't drink. It's yeah. it's more of a, yeah, going back to that whole support role. If you're supporting him, he's, he's going to support you. So when I think about um, maybe uh, Brad and his wife, going down a road of, of uh, more intentionality and, and trying to implement some some of these principles with their children, you know, uh, they can start really small, right? Like maybe, uh, Brad, uh, you could offer like the one in, one out rule or the one in, 10 out rule, like, whatever your wife is willing to agree to, but finding these small little things to incorporate that I, there's definitely one little thing out there that the one in, one out rule is the first thing that comes to mind. I don't know if you guys have any other ideas. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the toys aren't aren't the point. Right. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get really caught up in this, whether it's toys or our, as adults, the, our own sort of toys, you mm-hmm. know, consumerism in general. Uh, the things are, are hardly ever the point. They're there to augment the experience. And for kids, that's that you want to have them to have the toys, as you mentioned, that they're actually going to play with, not just discard after 10 minutes. Yeah. And I think with kids, it's hard because their moods are a lot more extreme than ours. So we tend to see happiness as this extreme periods of joy where they're laughing and giggling. And then the unhappiness is where they're screaming and crying. <laughs> and a lot of times young kids, they kind of cycle back and forth between the two. Uh, yeah, so within minutes. Yes. And so I mean, they I don't cycle have, that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> right. So they don't have this gray area that we do where we're just kind of, we, we just are, we're just being and so as parents if we want we want to raise happy kids and part Mm -hmm. of that is seeing the joy and the laughing and the giggles because it's harder to recognize that that in between that just everyday sort of gray area which Mm -hmm. can be really beautiful but is under acknowledged yeah I, i know a lot of parents too who they can get their kids on board by really showing how hey if you get rid of these four toys that you don't play with there's another unfortunate kid out there who could use those toys. Who uh, I, I know you do that with Ella. Like she, yeah. And, and I think it's it's about getting them to. Again, this takes time as well. But but it's not just going to the goodwill and dropping the toys off. Right. It's understanding where those toys are are going that she's no longer playing with. Also, understanding that she's no longer playing with them. Yeah. Uh, because just like kids, we cling to stuff for way too long, right? We yeah. we hold on to all these <laughs> things just in case. And and I think instilling that at a young age, it's actually. I found, I don't know if you found this, it's easier for kids to let go. Uh, in fact, um, I, I've heard from some parents, I don't recommend this, but some parents like, yeah, I just went in their room one day and got rid of half the toys. They didn't even, <laughs> they didn't even notice it. Now, I, the reason I don't recommend that is I think it's a great opportunity for you to have conversations with your kids. Um, all of my parenting advice probably comes from Rob Bell because he's the, the yeah. best parent that I, that I know. Yeah. Um, and uh, he has this great uh, audiobook called Launching Rockets. And, and one of the things he talks about is 
it is important for you to have you know, conversations with your kids, important for you for your kids to ask questions because that's really how they learn. And especially if they're asking questions and you don't know, then you have the opportunity to learn opportunity to learn together. And as you're letting go of, of some of the things, they're gonna ask you questions along the way. And so sometimes they're questions that are hard for you to confront. You never wanna say, well, just because I said so, mm-hmm. that's a terrible answer. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine saying that to Ryan. He's like, Ryan, Ryan's like, why did you make that business decision? Because I said so. <laughs> it's a terrible way yeah. to, to, to communicate. But asking questions is ultimately how your kids are going to grow. And so sitting down with them and saying, hey, here are a bunch of toys that you have, you don't play with, getting them to ask questions about it, but you also asking them questions is a great way for us to to uh, to communicate and grow together as a family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ryan, what time is it, my friend? Oh, wait, before we, before we move on <laughs> to the lightning round, uh, Brad, I'm going to send you a copy of our book, Minimalism. Because one, one of the things that I think is important, we talked about beliefs uh, just, just for a moment here, but we in our, our book, Minimalism, we talk about the five sort of fundamental values in our lives where we want to be on the same page with our significant others. I think what's nice about Ryan's and my relationship or my relationship with my spouse is we have different beliefs and I'm okay with having different beliefs. It was uncomfortable at first having different beliefs, right? (laughs) But we have the same values. The beliefs are a path that get us to those same values, whether it's spiritual beliefs, emotional beliefs, political beliefs, religious beliefs, beliefs about material things, materialism, consumerism. You're probably gonna have different beliefs from the people in your life. And that's good because it adds variety to your life. Life would be really boring if everyone agreed with you on everything. Absolutely, I totally agree. (laughs) (laughs) Correct answer. But what is important is that you're headed in the same direction, you're headed toward the same place, and that's with respect to your values, and, and that's what you're gonna instill in your children. So I think if you understand what your values are, then you can understand, start to understand the values of others, uh, in particular, the people closest to you, understand what their values are. So as Ryan said, you can better support those people by supporting their values, not just uh, arguing with them because you have different beliefs. So Sean, if you could reach out to Brad, send him an audiobook version of Minimalism, or if you uh, want the book book version or the ebook version, we'll be happy to send those to you as well. Now, Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. Now, today we are at The Minimalists on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and you are at Simple Families on Twitter, and I believe it's at Simple underscore Families on Instagram. Right. I'm not so much on Twitter, but uh, okay. I'm there, but I'm not so much there. Okay. <laughs> well, you can just go to simplefamilies.com. You can find links yeah. to all of uh, her social media. But we try to answer these questions with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. And Sean puts the these we call minimal maxims he puts them in the show notes so you people can copy and share our pithy answers on social media but sometimes we just ramble and ramble and then sean just he and post he makes it look really beautiful with tweezing something out (laughs) yeah so we've got some some questions here we'll try to give some pithy answers but we'll expand on them as well ryan what you got for us all right our first question is from cammy how do you encourage the concept of minimalism on kids who go to school and feel pressured to compete with the kid who always has the new shiny toy and the coolest clothes? Well, my, my pithy answer is intentionality as an action is more important than minimalism as a concept. I think quite often we, we stumble across something like minimalism or a religion or an ideology and we say, well, that's the goal. That's not the 
goal. It's it's the tool, right? Getting rid of the excess stuff or, or whatever is is making room. It's not the room itself is not the point. Right. It's what you're going to do with the room after that. So what do you think today? You know, I think kids are looking to form an identity and they are trying to dif- differentiate themselves. So one of, I actually had a conversation a couple of years ago with an older gentleman who had grown children and he had told me that his his kids were involved in sort of unconventional sports. So rather than putting them on the soccer team with like thousands of other kids that play soccer, he had, one of the kids was a sea kayaker and the other one was an indoor rock climber. And I thought that really made me think, I was like, you know, what if we gave kids a path to seek out something different Mm -hmm. and to find their individuality in ways other than through their stuff? Because we know that they want to have this identity and how can we help them establish that through their experiences and through the way that they live their life rather than through the things that they own and the things that they wear um, in a less competitive way almost, sort of just setting them setting themselves apart, making themselves unique. And I think, I think one of the things that we do, unfortunately, when we try to set ourselves apart or make ourselves unique with stuff, we end up looking like everyone else who's trying to make themselves unique, right? Yes, absolutely. And then we, we, <laughs> we sort of join the, the club of... And we have these sort of identity markers. We we have the you know the appropriate attire or uniform that says, well, I am I am unique, just like everybody else that I uh, aspire to to live like. But what is really unique is how we spend our time through through those actions. And and the paradox of that though is we don't want to be utterly unique because that is isolating, right? Yeah. And and so if if a kid is is the most unique kid in the world, which is you know, a crazy superlative, but man, that would be the most lonely experience in the world as well. Yeah, I love, I, I've never looked at it that way, but yeah, kids are, they're looking to shape their identity. So we need to give them, as parents, you know, if you're giving them options, mm-hmm. then they're probably gonna get more out of that than from what the kids at school are doing. Uh, my, my pithy answer is this, even when you aren't teaching your child, they're learning from your actions. And I, I have a little aside here. It's It just says, you know, childhood problems often mirror adulthood problems. We kind of alluded to that earlier in the, the voicemail question. But, you know, ask yourself, what kind of example am I setting for my kids? Am I always trying to get the latest and greatest clothes? Am I always going out and trying to get the latest and greatest toys? Because really, like Josh alluded to also, the ideology it's just part of it. Like an ideology without the example, it's not going to do much for a kid. It might even you know, turn them off, you know, especially when we're, we're constantly saying no, 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 as opposed to telling them what to say yes to. In fact, the, short, the, the surest way to get them to do something you don't want them to do is to emphatically tell them not to do it. Is that right? Yeah. Well, and we have to try really hard not to shame them for the things that they want. Because I think that that can happen very easily when we tell them that, no, you're not going to get this. You don't. We don't want you to have too much stuff. Having too much stuff is bad. Then when they want too much stuff, they feel bad because they are sort of going against what their parents are telling them and what their parents are trying to, the values that the parents are trying to instill in them too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, our next question is from Bryce. In a world where children are completely surrounded by newer, bigger, better things, how can parents raise their children to focus on what really matters in life rather than buying into the idea that possessions equal happiness? Well, yeah, we end the show, so my pithy answer is, uh, this is like the cheat code here, but we, we <laughs> tend to end the show every week with um, 
love people use things because the opposite never works. And I think ultimately that is, that's the message that, that we're trying to instill. And it's important to me that I use that language. I, I think language is powerful. Language has um, the ability for, for us to tether emotions unnecessarily to especially the objects in our life. And one thing I've been working with Ella on is not saying I love this thing, whatever it is, like I love this coffee cup or I love this toy or I love this blanket because then you're using that same language to describe you know, your parents. I love you, mom. And <laughs> I, I love you in this coffee cup. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and yeah, when it first started, the, the co- first conversation was I, I was talking about what her favorite things in the house were and she had these two stupid rocks like these were her favorite <laughs> toys right they they weren't light up they weren't shiny they they uh they could break windows if you throw them but that's about all they did <laughs> and um she said i just love these rocks and and i i had to explain to her like well you know they're that word has a certain weight and i know we use it all the time to describe things that we enjoy or that we like or that we find value in or that might be my favorite thing and that's okay but we're giving these things a whole lot of meaning. We're imparting meaning onto these things that have only the meaning that we give to them in the first place. Yeah, yeah. we have to lead by example. I think that's the best way to instill the values in our kids. Lead by example and expect deviations from the example because they're gonna go their own way (laughs) and they'll come back. I think most of the time they'll come back. I mean, kids, they gotta like try different ways and learn lessons the hard way sometimes. And as long as we're not shaming them and we're setting good examples, yeah, it should, should turn out they should turn out all right. You know, my pithy answer is this, a loved child is a happy child. And the reason why I wrote this down was because when I, I moved in, so my parents got divorced when I was in the second grade. I moved in with my father in the fifth grade and we didn't have a lot. I mean, we weren't, we, we were poor, um, but he really did a good job of being affectionate and showing me love. And yes, of course I wanted uh, like in you know in high school, I liked to skate, so I always wanted a new skateboard. I always wanted to wear skater clothes, and uh, you know, always wanted the whatever. Like, there's always something that someone had that I wanted. But I will say that not having those things, I never felt like I was lacking anything really, because I did have such a loving home. And I think when parents create that loving home for a child. Like that is, that's really what uh, is going to give them happiness. They may not see it at the time, but I know at 37 years old, I look back and I can totally see like that is what really gave me happiness growing up was a loving home. Right. A few more things here from, from Rob Bell that I wrote down and prep for this, this uh, conversation here. It, it really echoes what you were just saying. It's just the opposite side of this. You are only as happy as your saddest kid. <laughs> uh, so if you, have, if, you, if you have multiple kids, which, which Danae, you, you, you have a couple kids, and, and there are times where one of them is, is probably acting up, and you, in that moment, you're as happy as your saddest kid. It, right. it, it does echo, and it doesn't have to, and we can employ mindfulness, and, and we can find ways, especially as parents, we need to find ways above that, but... but um, the other thing that he said here is, uh, it is your it is a parent's job to not exacerbate your kids. This is actually one that I struggle with. I find that I I get weird sort of sadistic joy from irritating <laughs> Ella. <laughs> now Ryan does too. Now he he loves irritating it's kids. Just, I in call general. them small tortures. They're just yeah. like little tortures. <laughs> now, but here's the thing. As a parent, I think it's okay Ryan being the sort of uncle figure, 
um, he can have fun with I it. I can be the fun uncle. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but what, what is the thing he said about exacerbating your your children? Um, who can your kid turn to if the person they trust most is irritating them? Mm. And uh, man, that really resonated with yeah. me because if it makes me feel bad now. Well, <laughs> the, you, but you, here's the thing: you're not the person that Ella trusts That's most, true. right? That's true. And so she can she can turn to her mom or she can turn to me. Mm-hmm. In, in those moments and, and say, you know, Ryan is telling me not to have fun. Like this is Ryan's, his his whole bit is like, stop having fun. He he like forces the kid to stop. You're not allowed to have fun. Yeah, I don't force him, but like she'll be playing. I'm like, hey, 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 no fun, no fun. <laughs> and at first it was like, the look on her face was like, is he serious? Like now she calls me the fun police. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the fun police in our house. Too. <laughs> we'll talk about that. So, so there, there is a dynamic between parents, right? Where one of you, and I think it, it switches from time to time, but one of you has to be, you know, good cop, bad cop or fun police and fun parent. Um, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. In my house, I definitely am, but I'm, I'm home more. I work from home and my husband works longer hours. So I spend more time with the kids and by default, that means I am more responsible for the day in and day out. You know, they get dressed, brush your teeth, um, eat lunch, that sort of thing. So I think with that, when you're responsible for more of those day in and day out, you do kind of become the fun police, which means you have to disrupt the fun in order to make the less fun things happen. Um, but I try to be strategic about it. And one of the things that I always tell my audience members is that we can actually really try to pattern our days so that our kids understand that fun stuff comes after less fun stuff right Mm, so my kids love to take a bath but they hate to brush their teeth so what comes first you know first you brush your teeth and then you get your bath so really starting to use that to our advantage right not necessarily bribing or rewarding but understanding that if we have the less fun stuff coming first and then the more fun stuff coming after we can kind of keep the momentum of the day moving a little bit more and get our kids on board with what has to be done rather than just kind of grinding out all the all the stuff that they don't want to do. I love so. how the bath is the reward and it's not like you get to pick a toy to, to buy or you get to have a cookie. That'd be a really bad reward after brushing your teeth. Right. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's important to like to choose these things that uh, are fun for the kids, but not necessarily. Um, you can pick the wrong reward is what I'm really trying to say. And we got to be careful not to do that. And what you're teaching them there is about delayed gratification mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and you're teaching them that... Um, there are small rewards you know throughout the day it's not always this gigantic under the christmas tree have to unwrap right. this because that's just a poor expectation right mm-hmm. where, where if there's always a reward i'm bribing you right. that's um Man, that's such a bad precedent. Yeah, and a lot of the rewards aren't really rewards per se. I think about the other day, my daughter was, I asked her to go to the potty. And if you ask a two-year-old to go to the potty, you're always going to get a no. Always going to get a no. (laughs) No matter if they have to go so much, you're going to get a no. So I asked her, we were getting ready to go. And I said, you know what, first you have to go potty and then we're going to get in the car and go. And she said no, and she wouldn't go. And then she walked up to me with her doll and she said, can you help me put this dress on the doll? And I said, sure, I can help you. First you go potty and then I'll help you. Right. So I'm just capitalizing on that moment. She needed me and I needed her. Right. So we do for each other. I need I really need you to go potty because we're getting out of here and you really need me to put the dress on. So you do something for me and I'll do something for you. And 
sort of the, uh, creating this back and forth of that it sort of was a reward in the moment because it motivated her mm. to w- do what needed to be done. But at the same time, it wasn't a tangible reward like we're so accustomed to giving. It's not like go potty and I'll give you three raisins or something like that. Right. right? Well, it's interesting because like when I think about, you know, that that uh, when you're supporting your spouse, like that's when we talk about supporting But with our kids, we have to find ways to support our children mm-hmm. uh, because sometimes we need their support. Yes, indeed. All right. It looks like we have several more surprise questions this week. How can my parents and I cohabitate peacefully when our values and beliefs are diametrically opposed? It's like uh, their parents are are a villain in this. (laughs) We'll we'll talk about that. Don't live with villains. I mean, whether they're your parents or not, you shouldn't be living with villains. We're going to get to that. Uh, (laughs) How can I be a minimalist when the people I live with don't value my lifestyle? How do you manage kids' toys and clothes when you have too many and it's really hard for the kids to give those toys away how do you handle pressure from family members there's a whole question in here ryan about um well my my family's pressuring me to buy certain things and i don't want to buy them we're going to get to that also we have a question about traveling with pets and ryan we're going to play another round of overrated or underrated. My we're gonna favorite game. We're gonna talk about New York City. We're gonna talk about iPhones. We're gonna talk about the state of Arizona. We're gonna talk about recycling and much more. And if you want to hear all that, you can listen to this week's maximal episode available exclusively on Patreon. That's right. You're currently listening to our weekly minimal episode, but each week Ryan and I record an entirely different long form maximal episode on the minimalists private podcast, which gives us the private space we need to talk about the topics we don't usually discuss in public. Plus, Patreon is the best way for us to fund this podcast and keep it 100% advertisement free. When you subscribe to the Minimalist Private Podcast on Patreon, you'll receive a personal link so that our maximal episodes play in your favorite podcast app. You'll also get access to our entire back catalog of more than 100 private podcast episodes. Find all the details and all the good stuff, including an additional private podcast episode every week over at theminimalists.com slash support. Ryan, what else you got for us this week? Man, I just want to encourage people to read more and get informed because it is... You know, we're coming up on election season. We've all got opinions, a lot of memes floating around. Mm. And if we're just looking at memes for our information, if we're just reading headlines, uh, we're really doing ourselves a disservice. We're missing all the nuance. Absolutely. And then also I've got some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Check them out. Hi, guys. This is Caroline calling in from Gaithersburg, Maryland. Here are a few tips for all the folks who are trying to be minimal in their makeup consumption and usage. For example, I have a dark brown shade of eyeshadow that I use as eyeshadow, eyeliner, and an eyebrow filler. It doesn't smudge, it's long-lasting, and no one notices that my eye or brow liners are actually eyeshadow. You can also use lipstick for your lips and cheeks. I smudge a small line across my cheeks and rub it in for blush. As for my skincare routine, I have been struggling with acne for over 10 years. After spending literally thousands of dollars on Forza face wash products, I decided enough was enough. I went to my kitchen my kitchen for some face care solutions. I now wash my face with a warm water and sea salt solution, which has cleared my acne up tremendously. I also use a honey or aloe vera plant mask for 15 minutes every week to hydrate my skin. Just to make sure this is aloe vera directly from a plant, not the gel you use when you have sunburn, totally different, 
and the ladder is filled with a lot of lots of toxins and chemicals depending on where you get it, so please don't put that on your face. Um, lastly, when I do break out, I put one drop of tea tree essential oils onto a wet reusable cotton ball and rub it on the acne spot. It serves as a DIY uh, acne treatment serum that is giving me great results. So I hope this helps and shows you examples of how minimal makeup and skincare routines are possible and effective. Hi, my name is Lisa Benson, and I'm calling from Waltham, Mass. I've been thinking a lot about souvenirs when you go on a trip. Lately, or recently, our 10-year-old niece came up to visit us, and she bought something small for every family member to show that she was thinking of them when she was visiting and traveling. Um, but I'm thinking of a different way that you could show that to a friend or family member without having to buy them something, which is... Uh, they give you something small to take with you, maybe it's a drawing or a treasured object or whatever, and uh, you take a picture of that, that object at uh, some landmark or special place or moment, and you share that photo with them, so it's like a piece of them was with you on the trip. All right, y'all. Thanks again to Danae for joining us today. Make sure you check out her website, simplefamilies.com. Also, her podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the Simple Families podcast. And real quick, for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalists. This is going to be a fun one, Ryan. Uh, we're getting really yeah, close. Fun. I like fun. To 4,000 patrons on Patreon. Oh, my goodness. They're paying for Sean's. Uh, well, I don't know what he's splurging on these days. His <laughs> Ferrari. <laughs> it's a toy Ferrari. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And whatever Jordan is, uh, probably drugs. I'm not sure what he's, he's putting on. <laughs> drugs, alcohol, and trips trips to Arizona. <laughs> uh, no, um, what's been really nice about Patreon is, is this podcast, instead of every time we walk into the studio, it used to cost us money. Right. It's actually paying for itself now because yeah. we refuse to do advertisements. But when we reach 4,000... When we reach 4,000 patrons, what we're going to do is we're going to have a private podcast episode with Social Jess, with Podcast Sean, and Jordan No More. They're going to be behind the microphones. And we're going to be... Wait, uh, Dibs on filming, <laughs> but but Jordan's still going to have to edit it, though. <laughs> but I'll hit the record button. The record button. Yeah, we, I don't think it would work very well if we were editing the, the video, but uh, they get, they're going to talk about you know what it's like to work for the tyrant Ryan Nicodemus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're going to share all of our, our secrets, but it's going to be fun. So when we, once we get to 4,000, thank you to our Patreon supporters, by the way. Yeah. You keep this podcast 100% advertisement-free so that anyone can listen to it. And we have this beautiful studio space, and we have these beautiful people that we work yeah. with, thanks to you all. Well, you know, when I was when I, before we started doing Patreon, um, I donated a dollar or two dollars here and there to different to different shows and different you know causes and stuff. And what I got to say, man, is like I didn't realize... I never felt like it was much. It was just kind of like a, here's my support. But man, I got to tell you, like being now that we do Patreon, like that, that $2 per episode, like that means the world to us. So yes, thank you to each and every one of you that support us. Really grateful for that. And for those of you who can't afford it, totally understand. We continue to, to make these minimal episodes for you. We, we try to make them as meaty as possible so you can get as much value as you can. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839, or you can send a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalist. And if you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com, uh, just theminimalists.com. 
no slash there. <laughs> just go to the website. Enter your email address at the top, and we'll never ever send you spam, but we will send you our Simple Sunday emails each week as well. Just something, something that we're writing about simplicity. For our added value this week, let's listen to the title track from Joy Williams' new album. Are you familiar <laughs> with Joy Williams? No, I'm not, but I thought this said front punch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what a punch is. Me either. She, uh, do you remember the Civil Wars? Yes. Yeah, so the group of Civil Wars. It was Wars. like a happy, sad um, story about the Civil Wars. What do you uh, mean? Like how they started was some kind of contest or something, right? Yeah, they did. It was like, a, I think a, they were paired up via this contest. But then, like, so they it broke was, up because... Joy Williams, yeah. John Paul White, um, the, and they had the most... I, I saw them live once. Uh, I think it was in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And it was the most beautiful chemistry between two individual, uh, individuals I'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. But like you could tell this wasn't love. This was like something else. This was passion, lust, chemistry, chemistry something. I, I don't know what it was, but mm-hmm. it was... It was a flame that was burning hot, and it made an amazing show, made some amazing music. But Joy Williams is an uh, amazing solo artist as well, and she has a new album. It's called Front Porch, and this is the title track from Front Porch. Check it out. And if you leave here today with one message, y'all, we hope it's this. Love people and use things, because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. It's better staying